Hello and welcome to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. Pod Sequentialism, of course, uh, grew out of the Pop Sequentialism uh, traveling exhibitions and website and blog. And uh, we are brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles. We're on the Meltdown Network with other great shows like History of the Batman, Two Packs, and um, Kind of Dating. And we hope you check out those other podcasts too. But uh, right now it's all about me and my guest. So um, I want to welcome to the program Mr. Daniel Rolnick. Hey! So Daniel Rolnick is, um, what's your moniker? You're the world's most adorable art critic. Yes, sir. Yes, and and <laughs> did you give yourself that name? Well, you know, I was LA's <laughs> most adorable, and then an, an artist uh, was like, why not take over the world? And no yeah. one's challenged it for like six years, so nice. I'm just, let's do it. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> now, when I first met you, you were um, you a photographer for the LA Weekly, yeah. covering events and um, mainly cultural stuff. Yeah, and so that, what year was that? Like 2009, 2010? Yeah, maybe even earlier. Cause, and then, like, I think we first, like, uh, maybe even officially met even at that first LA Zine Fest. Oh, wow. Oh, no, we yeah, met yeah. Before, before that. Before that, yeah. But then I remember that. I remember that moment with you so vividly. Yes. On the streets. You gave me a pin. Yeah, yeah. I gave you, I had the Hi, I'm Daniel pin. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the, um, when did you start? You, you sort of transitioned um, around that time. Mm-hmm from being kind of the photo journalist critic for the weekly and, and probably other on, online resources into starting up and just kind of going with pop-up art gallery stuff. Yeah, so a friend of mine, Ann Faith Nichols, had a gallery in Venice Beach. Yes, I remember Anne Faith. I actually used to own an Ann Faith Nichols piece. Oh, that's yes. epic. Yeah, and she, she had this amazing studio and um, was like, hey, Daniel, you know all these artists. Um, why don't you curate a show for me? Mm-hmm. And, so, <laughs> and so I was like, okay. And I just started curating shows for people. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, long story short, my friend turns to me and goes, I'm leaving my gallery space. Uh, I need someone to take over the lease. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Okay, I'll do it. And this <laughs> is this is on the beach, right? Yeah, it's like right on the beachfront. Yeah, like facing the ocean. It's about as epic as it could be, and it was eighteen hundred a month. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to lease out that the whole space is five thousand, mm-hmm. but now they're trying to lease out that space for thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> wow! And that that's actually been happening all over Los Angeles, which is part of I think the critique of the new urban development that's happening here. Like yeah. a, a lot of people that came here from back east or wherever i mean i came here almost let's see how long ago was it like 27 years ago or 26 years ago Mm -hmm. and um my rent at that point was like 185 dollars that's like impossible yeah wait and you weren't like living in like a dog house in the backyard or somewhere (laughs) i was sharing that was my half of the rent in a one-bedroom apartment Mm -hmm. which uh with, with one other person living there then when we moved to a three bedroom place where we mm-hmm. each had our own room. The rent I think was two hundred and thirty dollars. Whoa! And that was on Hollywood Boulevard. Whoa! And that was um, then the corner of Hudson, which is now called Schrader. Mm-hmm. And so, like right on the boulevard, like yeah. where the Walk of Fame is, it was right out in front of our place. Whoa. And uh, and that building was where the basement uh, Bell Lugosi lived at one point. Jane's Addiction probably recorded their early demos there. Um, I, and lots of characters outside. Lots of characters outside. <laughs> uh, there was a, a, a very famous uh, drug dealer that lived in our building, and we would get a lot of visitors yeah. <laughs> who thought that we were his apartment. But, I mean, in those early days, what was great about L.A., aside from the fact that a lot of people 
I think it was like the population of Delaware would move to Los Angeles mm-hmm. to try and make it, you know, yeah. in the entertainment business and the music business because the music business was still happening then. Um, was that you could afford to live here? That the weather was, you know, it was it was very good weather. Um, rent was low. The sprawl was a problem, you mm-hmm. know, and like getting around. You kind of needed a car in LA, but honestly, I didn't have a car for the first maybe six to eight years I was here. Whoa. And as an actor hitting auditions yeah. in some of those, and I didn't come out here to be an actor, it kind of fell in my lap. But, um, and, and I have mad respect for people who are actually willing to kind of make that, make I, that I go. I didn't know you're an actor. Oh, yeah. I was, I, I'll show you the reel at some point. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. But I never missed auditions on the bus. And it oh. wasn't actually until after I got a car that I was like, do I really want to drive out? You yeah. Know, <laughs> do, do I want to go from Studio City to Venice? You know, because there were a couple of places out you, by you the You weren't beach. hitting the Deep Valley, though. You weren't those movies. I'll tell you. <laughs> no, I, I, that wasn't, that it wasn't stopped, the, It stopped at Sherman Oaks. Yeah, it stopped Burbank. at Sherman Oaks. <laughs> the, uh, not a lot of uh, Valjeans Boulevard auditions. <laughs> yeah. But um, although I did end up knowing a lot of those people later on. Yeah. And, um, and worked in, you know, the adult film industry for a little bit as just in distribution. And nice. before I started my own my own film label years later, mm-hmm. but um, and it's no big secret, so I can still run for office. <laughs> um, the um, the thing about LA now, though, is that of course the rents have been going up. It's becoming one of the least affordable cities in the United States to live in. Um, still far in back of places like New York and San Francisco, but comparable in a way to San Francisco. Uh, the biggest difference, of course, for us now is we don't have the huge homeless problem that they have in San Francisco or the type of problems that they have with their homeless. Um, we have a lot more real estate and because we're further south, the weather is still a little bit better. Oh, it's by far better. Yeah. If you're listening from San Francisco, you suck. LA oh, rules. Jesus. Oh, jeez. NorCal down. Oh, boy. <laughs> Although, no, no one needs a NorCal sunrise uh, anymore. <laughs> All uh. SoCal. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I really, I, I've got quite a few friends in the in the Northern California, um, and actually lost a few friends um, very recently oh, through the um the, the ghost the ghost ship fire. Yeah, but um, you know the the challenge is now. So mm-hmm. for you and and going from a space that was eighteen hundred dollars a month and therefore yeah. fairly easy to recoup. Like yeah. you may not always have a ton of money to go eat a steak, but yeah. it's fairly easy to recoup eighteen hundred dollars a month. So also maybe for people listening that don't live in LA, mm-hmm. it was eighteen hundred dollars for a space that was probably two to three hundred square feet feet. So yeah. it was it was small. But in it, a prime retail, it had prime, prime real estate. Yeah. But uh, but like if we were in Wisconsin and paid eighteen hundred, we'd have like the like the a biggest silo. Yeah, yeah. We'd have yeah. a silo on like the main drag. But wintertime, we'd it would suck. But yeah. But I think that's a like every every space I've had has been a sublet. Two reasons. One, it, they're cheaper. Yeah. Two, I don't have to commit to a five-year lease or anything like right. that, which most of the spaces want like five to ten years. I've seen that lately, which is really interesting. Um, and in the arts district, there's only about mm-hmm. three different companies that own every piece of real estate downtown. Yeah. Um, or Vincent Gallo? <laughs> no. He or owns a bunch of buildings. Does he? Yeah. Wow. Well, the, um, there's, I guess he's not renting them out. Yeah. But the, um, a lot of the real estate agents... There's like two or three that tend to handle every single commercial art mm-hmm. intended space. And so there was a mass immigration 
from Europe of European galleries in the last two and a half years, um, really in earnest, but it had started maybe five or six years earlier. Mm -hmm. And now you're seeing in art form a lot of coverage for some of the galleries that are in Hollywood. So like the, the galleries that are... You know, you've got Regan Projects on Santa Monica, and that's mm-hmm. like blue chip stuff. Yeah. And then you go around she's, the corner. She's L.A., though. Yeah, no, Sean Regan's been yeah. here for 25, 26 years. Um, and when Regan Projects, which was actually named for her, um, her departed husband, he passed mm-hmm. away um, a few, well, quite a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of took over the business and kept it going. And she was doing shows with really important people. Um, Matthew Barney. Um, Patty Bone. Yeah, she, she she we we did a show at Pettybone yeah. like twenty five years ago. <laughs> I think she grabbed him like five four or five years ago. Yeah. But um, you know, certainly Mike Kelly mm-hmm. and and some of the people that are are becoming very well known, probably Judy Chicago, people that are, are really, really well known um internationally in the new contemporary art scene. And again, we're talking about at the very top, the art mm-hmm. forum, the art in America thing. Um like your museum of contemporary art has shown these people. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas, you know, like what we're doing, you know, yeah. with, with me at La Luz de Jesus and you doing what you're doing with Daniel Rolnick projects, um, is really entry level stuff. Um, you know, making people understand that you can afford art at every level. Mm-hmm. It's not just like this yeah. this crazy kind of like stock trading that goes on at the top with a handful of people. Yeah. You can buy pieces for, I mean, you have pieces sometimes like 35, 40, 50 yeah. bucks. Yeah, we're probably like your, uh, your like um, uh, pack and save. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like, there. You got, you got like your store at the edge of town. We're the one like past the edge of town. Yes. That you're afraid to go to a little bit, yeah. but it has the best deals. Yeah, bargain circus. <laughs> yeah, bargain, bargain circus. circus. <laughs> and which is Do- actually Dollar not, Tree. Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree. But <laughs> bargain circus isn't a bad comparison. No. <laughs> um, people who remember bargain circus um, in Los Angeles was a um, a grocery slash a home goods store, which yeah. there's a 99 cent store there now. And a photograph of that ninety nine yeah. cent store is the most expensive photograph ever sold. Yeah, it holds the record. It's like one point two million dollars. Oh, it's by um, Gursky or something. Yeah. Okay. And it's a one point two million dollar photo, huge photograph. Dude, I, I hate pronouncing that guy's name because he just its name just sounds like a Nazi. Ah, I am Gursky. Even if he's that not Russian, that doesn't it, sound it like a Nazi. So Nazi it sounds so Nazi. Gursky. I don't know. It's like I see the I see like the box. Uh, uh, Mercedes Benz, and I'm like that. Mm-hmm. That car scares me, and the name Gursky scares me. I just think supermarkets, endless supermarkets, and like Nazis are coming after me. Wow, <laughs> this is getting very interesting. And, and then, but he got topped. He got topped by uh, that guy. The guy who has galleries all over. He has like five galleries in Vegas, and he just opened one in Beverly Drive. And he, he sold a larger photograph. He sold a more. It's like it's like debated because his was a private sale, not at auction. Oh, so it's not in the public record. It might yeah. not be true. Basically, yeah. His photos look like when you have your Macintosh computer and you can choose the background images. Yeah, you know, like the so nature really shots. Vanilla, really, really vanilla. Really vanilla. And and they come in and like they bring you to a private room mm-hmm. and they're like, "Here's the amazing work of art. Yeah. Now you can choose the silver frame." Or the black frame, and it's all like perfectly lit yeah. for you. It's it's like home decor. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot his name. His name would come to mind, but but I think the so number two and three is yeah. the uh, Gursky. The um, but the bargain circus thing, and they had this gigantic um electric clown sign, <laughs> and um, it was great because you get good stuff inexpensively. Like it wasn't yeah. just cheap stuff. Like I met you like. 
when we were rockers back in mm-hmm. the you know early '90s, and we wanted cheap beer on our way to the Sunset Strip, yeah. <laughs> you'd stop in and pick up some Orange Bloom, you know, like yeah. some really good beer, you know, or some Grolsch, yeah. or uh, I think the first time I had Peter's Brand, which is amazing um, Bavarian Pilsner in a can, mm-hmm. and you get them for like a <laughs> buck or something or less. I just like to see that at the restaurant. We've got we've got this amazing uh, Bavarian Pilsner that you'll you'll just enjoy. It's uh, thirty dollars a can, and then they bring it out. <laughs> You think you're getting this beautiful stout that beer? That stuff exists, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I haven't seen a $30 canned beer yet, but I'm yeah. sure it's not too far away. No, it's coming. I've definitely ordered 30 to $60 beer. Yeah. Beer in a bottle. Like, but it comes in like that bigger bottle yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, uh, no one can see your hand, your yeah. hand gestures. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. A yeah, larger, yeah I'm, go- I'm like, I'm like doing weird things with my hand. Like a 64 and, ounce yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. But the, um, which is funny because that used to mean it was super cheap. Yeah. And like St. Ides came in like a yeah. 64 ounce bottle. <laughs> but, um, but what you've been doing has been pretty interesting. And I mean, I've, I, I've known you a very long time, yeah. and you, you've recently got covered by Artillery. Yeah, now that was for, fun. Now, for people who don't know, Artillery, the Artillery Art Magazine, is a pretty highbrow, important art publication, and, and you generally see them covering the same types of people, you know, Ed Ruscha or, um, you know, the types of people that would get covered by Art in America or Modern Painters or um, Art Forum. And so to see them cover... You. I mean, not not to say <laughs> to, that you're not Ed them, Ruscha. To see them cover some fucking asshole like you, Daniel. <laughs> no, but like... The, some little pipsqueak. <laughs> well, you're so outside the system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're so outside the system. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, I think in the article they're talking about you having like pop-ups in a cave. Yeah, yeah, we did that. We did one in a cave. Which I'm like, how did I not hear about that? Like, I follow everything yeah, Rolling yeah. does. But the, um, these types of really extravagantly outside the box ideas are starting to me like Mm -hmm. when I think of LA that's what I think of Yeah, that it's always been like that here that we've always Mm -hmm. done like really crazy stuff and we sort of weren't noticed for it and like we're always being usurped by the the press that was coming out of Soho and out of New York and they kept hammering home in those years after people started to embrace Basquiat and Keith Haring that there was still like this really important art movement that was inherently New York and I'm not saying that that doesn't still exist I mean I don't I can't imagine any artists can afford to live in New York anymore at yeah. all. <laughs> at all. They, they all live in, the trick is they all live in Philadelphia and they take the train up a couple hours. I guess they'd have to live in Philly <laughs> because even New Jersey's getting yeah, expensive. Yeah. But the, um, you but know. The, that's the legacy of LA, right? Like, is like, even even if you take Lelouz, for for instance, like the Lelouz like has a legacy yeah. to me is like the Los Angeles um hub of lowbrow like i remember yeah. going there with my dad and on my like 13th birthday to the um when we were on and, melrose uh no i was it was still in the location that's um, at now wow you're that much younger than me yeah okay. I'm, I'm only 27 <laughs> jeez <Yeah. please. laughs> and uh i think i was 13 mm-hmm. and and it was that everything my birthday's in march so at the time now it's a loser palooza yeah, but it so was it everything the, but everything the but the kitchen sink yeah. show and that had previously been the um um Uncommercial art by commercial artist yeah. show, and I mean, so that's like our thirty-first 
yeah. group show is going to be this March. <laughs> so it's like Lollapalooza Palooza 31. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And I remember going and I saw, I, I don't know if it was part of the show because there's always works that are kind of not part that are still in the hallway. Yeah. And, stuff. and there was a Gary Tax Alley. There was Gary Baseman somewhere. Yep. And there was uh, um, some Michael Hassar. And I'm, I remember vividly going to the show with the Michael Hassar eyeballs. And they were like the tiniest yeah, paintings. Yeah, the very small paintings. And, and just seeing the books and being like around the store too and being like, what the fuck? So th- like, where that did was, my dad take me to? This place is so fucked up. That was amazing. Probably 2002. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think the Hussar was the same year that I went to the kitchen. I don't know if I was 13, but it, it felt like that yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, you know, you mentioned that, that and certainly when but it you had go, the store. The, like the, store the, the is store. very much a part of the presentation. Yeah. Like Wacko, the shop, and I, you know, we've talked to Billy about this. I've been trying to get more people to appreciate him as this kind of assemblage artist yeah. who's using a very kinetic art form in the form of a retail store mm-hmm. that he's personally curated every item in that shop for the past I mean, the shop's older than the gallery, so the yeah. shop's the shop's my age. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm 45 this Whoa. year. So is the shop, <laughs> and um, so for 45 years, he's been going all over the world and searching out interesting things. And in that era before the the internet. Um, you'd, you'd get just this amazing stuff. I mean, most people who know what um, Day of the Dead is, they know it yeah. because he carried the the little sculptures. Oh yeah, you know, for years mm-hmm. going back to the early seventies, and a lot of people in LA didn't even know what Day of the Dead was. <laughs> never mind the rest of the world. Yeah, but when people like. Danny Elfman were buying this stuff mm-hmm. and, and Oingo Boingo made their whole stage show very mm-hmm. much a part of that. That reached an international audience and then people, because we're in LA and because yeah. entertainment is here, all the commercials and TV shows would rent stuff and put it mm-hmm. in the background and it sort of filters in in a kind of um, subliminal way. So like LA culture makes it that way. But we're still, like, I'm amazed that he hasn't been like sort of officially recognized either by the city for like yeah. an official Billy Shire day. I should get on that. International wife beater day. We can't say that anymore. We can't, we can't call an A-frame t-shirt a wife beater. What is it called now? It's just an A-frame shirt. Oh, when did that happen? Very recently there was a huge like push against it, you know, that it's not politically correct. So like there was a feminist crew being like, you can't mansplain us. And then a bunch of good like grody dudes like, Bitches, you can't tell us it's a wife beater no more. It's a fucking A-frame. I think it actually both came from the same side. Oh. I think that um, that the the idea was that by giving a cutesy name yeah. to this shirt, that number one, I guess you are saying that anybody who wears this uniform is, is a, of a certain mindset. Yeah. And then the other thing that to kind of jokingly refer to white beef, yeah. wife beating in that context uh, would be inappropriate. Uh, but the um, what I think is... Be- beat your meat, not your wife. There you go. There you go. So the, we just earned an E. Yeah. But, the, uh, you know, when, when we talk about that and about L.A. and about the underappreciation that we've been getting, well, a couple years ago, they sort of did proclaim L.A. the center of the art world. Mm-hmm. And then everything got really boring and safe again. And then mm-hmm. all the, the galleries that kind of ruined the scenes where they were at mm-hmm. and, and, and caused this great chasm between the art world and the public – are now in LA and they're, yeah. <laughs> they've overpaid for real estate. Yeah. They've completely bought up almost all the areas downtown and outside of Little Tokyo. Yeah. And, you know, what do we have to show for it? We've got like, I mean, there's, there's definitely some great galleries down there and you've got like, um, 
what is it? Um, Paul Schimmel's gallery with oh, um, Hauser and Worth Hauser and Schimmel, Worth and, and, Schimmel. Yeah. and they they do amazing stuff, and it's a great space, and it's in the old LA Bakery. Mm-hmm. But that attracted a lot of other European galleries who are just about selling the next thing. It's funny because uh, we really don't go to those. I still just go to like I don't know. I have an LA badge of honor since yeah. I'm born and raised, and when alien we're aliens if you grow up in LA because there's not many of us. Right, right. So like, um, I'm not from. Uh, yeah, you're 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 a transplant. Yes, I've probably <laughs> so, been here yeah, as yeah. long as yeah, you've, you've been alive. You've been long, but, here longer yeah. than I'm alive, but but we're like strangers in our, in this land because uh, most of us who grew up here, I feel like I can speak for a lot of us is you don't realize how many people aren't from here until yeah. much later, until college even. Yeah, because everyone up until high school is also from here. Yeah, yeah. In, in your social circle. I mean, now with like Facebook and everything being much more broad, you, you probably get that, but. But so I still try to go to like the the LA guys and there there as many galleries that come in here there's such a high turnover yeah like in Chunking Road which is a popular area now yeah um, there's always like one space for lease on that road at least and uh, I looked at one it was like three grand and it was an apartment upstairs <sighs> a gallery and a basement. But then you also, I was like, I don't really want to live in Chinatown in the gallery because right. there's fuckers like Harley that are going to come to your house every day. And like, I don't want that guy to come to my house. Like, it's cool when he comes to my gallery. You're, you're, you're talking about the <laughs> yeah. photographer for Coagula Magazine. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Ma- Mac Gleason says he doesn't know where the photos end up anymore. <laughs> Right. Well, this guy, I don't know if you talked about Harley on here. I don't think we've ever mentioned Harley before, but uh, certainly a local character. Imagine like the Grandpa Munster from the Munsters. Yeah. And he's like going around with this camera that's all taped up. It's a digital camera. And he takes photos specifically of artists in front of their artwork. And and you on think the like, opening night of their yeah. shows. And you think, Oh, how cute, an old man, but it's not cute. And he like people I've seen people want to fight this old man because yeah. he's like, get in front of the paint. <laughs> yeah, know? he gets really cantankerous and bossy and pushy. I actually banned him from from shows <laughs> yeah. at La Luz at one point. And then yeah. Mac Leeson actually called me up and asked me to lift the band oh, because he needed God. the photos for a coagula. And I was like, <laughs> Like, okay, I was like, but he's got to be in his best behavior. He can't be so creepy, you know, such a jerk. Yeah, and actually, now I have a pretty great relationship with Harley, and I, you know, it's it's. I still have no idea where the where the photos yeah. wind up. Yeah. I mean, it could be this kind of lifetime's work, this really unusual yeah. um, type of performance art. But um, and you touched on something. I'm going to get back to it. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you talked about the fact that. You know, being from L.A., that you're kind of a bit of a unicorn in that there's just not a lot of people that are from yeah. L.A. Now, that's also true in London. Mm-hmm. And that's, to a lesser extent, true in New York. Mm-hmm. But that kind of xenophobic attitude yeah. of locals <laughs> against people moving in caused Brexit. Yeah. You know? I don't know much about that. I just know my only thing about London art that I know from going there mm-hmm. is like, you know, America, I'm, I get I get like all passionate and weird and it sounds fucked up, but it's like we're the greatest country in the world for art because you, I can travel across in my car and just I've done it and driven across the whole country yeah. and just hit up an artist on Instagram and be like, can I visit your studio? And they say, yeah, and they let me in. But if you try to do that in Europe and London and Berlin where I've gone, it's all like, oh, who do you know that I know? Oh, wh- 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 you, it's all like part of the system. We're mm. still the wild west. 
West very much so, yeah. and, and we're much more of an open society. Like I, in London, I went to the the ICA, which is like um, they have shows, and uh, it's also a bar where a lot of like young artists in their twenties hang out, mm-hmm. and, which is kind of cool. Which we don't we don't really have here, which because they're so specific there, and it would be two crews of kids and artists hanging out for the last five years next to each other, and they never introduce themselves. Mm. So. In the here, it never happens. So we still have this amazing, yeah. like we're constantly like, uh, like a bombs going off, like boom, 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 booms. That's, a, that's a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah. We're we're, <laughs> we're like um, you were like positive viruses. Like it's just like everything is happening all the time. Right. We're like good bacteria. Well, <laughs> in, in LA, there's also a huge separation between the downtown artists, and yeah. it's kind of like this this badge of like we're we're downtown artists that to me has a little bit of an air to it like um I've seen a lot of artists live downtown. I haven't seen a lot of good art downtown (laughs) and I mean it's like the brewery art walk like you'll see like three new ones where you're like where do they come from they're saving my life right now and the rest is like I've seen this for however much I've been alive yes (laughs) Yeah, and 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 there's like it's just uh, I think that there is to a certain extent this in LA and at, at least in the downtown scene and and it's certainly different in Venice and mm-hmm. it's different you know in Culver City and it's different in Hollywood and I think people the artists who are from Hollywood I think almost fare better mm-hmm. in that um, they tend to just they they like being where they are and they they submit outside of their circle mm-hmm. like a lot of the people that live in like in Hollywood or Los Feliz. Don't just submit to like local galleries. They're they're constantly hitting up galleries, yeah. other galleries in the U.S., other galleries internationally. Whereas it, it's weird that it seems like the downtown <laughs> artists just seem hell bent <laughs> on putting on shows. Yeah, downtown. Well, it still has that. There's still like a final guard, and not good or bad because I love characters, and they're like yeah. kind of the most extreme characters. Where there's still this like old guard of these downtown figures that. They're not. They're not so much the younger crew of artists. They're older crew like of Gronk, artists. Yeah, like, like Gronk. Those guys, and they, yeah, they're there, and they're like they they still represent this old downtown. Yeah, but they're living in the contemporary downtown, and it's yeah. like a, some of them, like Gronk, are great, and they'll do huge things. But some of them are like, oh, like yeah. bro, like put that away. Like, but you're, I still you're feel like me. I still feel <laughs> like in twenty years, someone's gonna open up the book. Yeah, and they're gonna be like that person whose art I've hated my yeah. entire life has has put in the time and they're gonna they're gonna get the the you know the the vow or oh, whatever yeah. you know like they, they become a made man you yeah. like in the mafia they, <laughs> yeah. they 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 get made but the um and the, i think that's been true to a great extent for a lot of the people who were around from the tail end of the ferris era and yeah. so like and I, i'm gonna use a bad example because i think that lynn folks is actually a great artist but so, um, so mad is for because I, I, I guess the audience is informed, but you're talking, Ferris Gallery would be the first L.A. gallery to show Andy Warhol. Yes. And that's what they're they're most known for, is like showing the soup cans and they were like $100 each or something. Well, that's what they were initially known yeah. for, but of course, you know, the partners would go yeah. on to form, you know, MoCA and uh, the Pasadena <laughs> Art Museum yeah. and have a huge impact on the perception of contemporary art in museum mm-hmm. spaces. But the um, the Warhol cans very famously did not debut in New York. They debuted yeah. in Los Angeles. So the first important retrospective, or not even retrospective because it was contemporary at the mm-hmm. time, but the first important exhibition of Andy Warhol's work was on La Cienega Boulevard yeah. at the Ferris Gallery. And I but think they, it was funky. Like, it wasn't like... It wasn't well received and they didn't sell them all and actually yeah. one of the partners, Bloom, um, 
bought back the pieces that he sold <laughs> because he wanted to keep them together as yeah, a set, which he, he made did. A mint. He did when he finally sold <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, made a fortune. But they also, you know, Ed Rocher had a studio in Back mm-hmm. of Ferris. Um, you know, you had um, Rauschenberg mm-hmm. was frequently showing there. A lot of the the important post war guys all yeah. come from that scene. And then you have like Frank Stella, and yeah. who just kind of got. You know, anointed. Mm-hmm. You know, not too long and ago, Terrell was living. Well, well Terrell cra- was living in Pasadena, but he was traveling the world. Yeah, the craziest part is like these guys. Are, like Venice Beach right now is probably the most expensive area to like Abikini specifically yeah. to rent a shop. Like yeah, those are like forty thousand dollars a month for like a peanut shell. Yeah, and uh, the, some of those artists were really smart like Edna Moses and yeah. at that time it was such a crap hole like you wouldn't want to go there yeah. which seems ridiculous because it's by the beach but but they like bought their little bungalows and houses yep. and that made probably made them wealthier than their art Malibu was <laughs> yeah. cheap real estate yeah <laughs> you know when you, when you look back and you see that um, whenever you see anything about the Maverick 70s yeah. you know like Coppola mm-hmm. and Scorsese and Spielberg mm-hmm. kind of cutting their teeth working on Roger Corman um, movies. They were living in Malibu because Malibu was cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually, you know, traffic wasn't so bad. So the drive from Malibu into the studios wasn't the hellacious mm-hmm. trek that it would be today. But, um, you know, those beach beachfront places were dirt cheap. Yeah. Obviously, you know, when the Doors were in the late 60s were living in Venice, um, yeah. you know, that it was super, super cheap real estate. And, of course, what happens? We've seen this happen everywhere. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the, the tenet of what we're talking about, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that artists move into a terrible area. Yeah. <laughs> um, they make it desirable via their bohemian lifestyle and um, their general aesthetic to people who don't necessarily have their own aesthetic, mm. who want to be near it. And so they buy up the property around them evict the reason that they moved into that neighborhood yeah. <laughs> and then they wonder why the culture you know comes to a crashing yeah. halt <laughs> yeah but you know you you actually you do travel a lot like yeah. you've, you've gone all over the u.s you've you will call an artist and go to their their studio and yeah, be I'll like hey i'll check there. it out <laughs> and um like adam walkovich who does the octopus chandeliers yep adam he's he, he's a taxidermist um who does very unconventional taxidermy art we include him in the rogue yeah. taxidermy shows someone someone uh was like uh gave me his address and mm. I just knocked on the door. Wow. <laughs> and then out in Philadelphia mm. and we become good friends because well, I he just, lives out here now, right? He, he sometimes stays out here but he mainly still his his like compound is there. Yeah. And it's amazing. He has his we house. We look oddly yeah. alike too actually. Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like when my hair is longer yeah. I've, I've been confused for him and he's been confused yeah, like, for me. Are you Adam? Like he, and he's but yeah it, that, I could see that for yeah, sure. It's weird. But I just do that. I'll just show up. I guess I I go, hi, I'm Daniel. And and then that's a friendly, uh, that's just the easiest thing to do, I guess. But you also were one of the the few independent curators in L.A. who had amassed a tremendous social media following. Yeah. And I think that was... um, well, I just I would go up to everyone say hi, I'm Daniel, mm-hmm. and then I, I made these funny cards that said hi, I'm Daniel because I didn't I wanted to I felt shy and didn't want to talk to anybody anymore, so it said, and then started making them more funny, mm-hmm. and then I noticed that people were keeping the cards, yeah. like I'd go to their studios and they'd have the card out still, and then uh, so most of the social media following came from meeting people in person just mm-hmm. going up to them at like going to every single show in LA which sometimes was like 50 60 shows in a single night yeah just going for a few minutes seeing the art because I 
I, I don't know about, about you, but I'm a fast museum walker. Mm-hmm. Like I just go in, boom. I just want to see it. I don't want to read the the yeah. thing. I don't. <laughs> if it's video art, I look in a second and I walk right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I just like seeing the art really fast, meeting everybody, and then it would just keep going up and up. And then writing the articles, um, we'd more people would share it and stuff. And yeah. since I I wrote for like forty different magazines at one point. Jeez. Just because. Uh, I mean, one, I would do it even if I wasn't paid. Some of them didn't pay, and some of them will only pay like 20 bucks, or if you're lucky, 100 bucks an yeah. article online. So so you have to do so much. My output was so he- uh, heavy just so I could like try and eat. <laughs> yeah. So 40 magazines, and yeah. uh, 40 outlets, I should say. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that, that speaks a little bit to how little respect <laughs> today's public has for journalism dude i was thinking about this the other day and i was like maybe maybe art blogs maybe magazines as a whole are like at first magazines were we know they're dead they're dead we'll just we just have to accept that they're dead there's still a few print's making a comeback oddly yeah there's like the zine thing but there's yeah. not there's not like the circulation they're in the, There'll probably never be another juxtapose or like even high fructose is kind of, you know, they do their books and they, they're quarterly or whatever now. Right. There's a lot of subs and they're back to subscription. Yeah. But the, um, in addition to being on the newsstand and I, I, I love high fructose. I think yeah. that, um, juxtapose has gone through a lot of different style changes well, and size changes and, and also format like changes. editor changes. Like at one time it was like, what is it? Matt Rivoli and he owns upper playground. So it was like every cover was like the upper playground cover. But that. <laughs> <laughs> the criticism early on was that yeah. they, they gave a lot of coverage to Copro because yeah. Greg Escalante was the co-owner, is the co-owner yeah. publisher of the magazine. And you saw like the early years of Juxtapose, they always covered Lelou's because yeah. we were the only game in town. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the reason that there <laughs> yeah. is a Juxtapose yeah. magazine is yeah. because it was Lelou's de Jesus. Yeah. So for the first four or five years, we got a ton of coverage. And then when Copro opened a gallery, the mm-hmm. coverage started to go down. Yeah. And then um, at a certain point when they kind of they moved to San Francisco yeah. or it became like the most widely distributed local San Francisco magazine mm-hmm. only covering San Francisco shows and Copro. Yeah. And um, you'd <laughs> see in the advertisements that there were no galleries advertising yeah. in the magazine. And now it's got like Ugo on the fucking cover and that's like not the world. That's the like highbrow whatever world. Like that. Well it's become a lifestyle yeah, magazine yeah. and they present themselves as a lifestyle and so they have you know that cars yeah uh, soft drinks um well, sneakers now it's, it's like, like advertisement of the army it just it, it's become a verb it has become a verb and adjective it, yeah. it it has that we're now like it's it's easier to describe to people it's like juxtaposed style of art yeah because before it was like lowbrow yeah and then people were angry about that and then you had like subversive i remember yeah. gary gary basin tried to bring in subversive which i thought was cool <sighs> and then basin. and then there was and there's, there's a nothing few subversive <laughs> Yeah, no, there is, there is the splooge. And when he did the Skirbo Museum, they didn't realize that all his characters are coming out of their belly buttons, <laughs> and so they're like, "Wait a second <laughs> But uh, but um, it it w- with the blogs, like uh, you'll see people post every now and again. What blogs do you read? And it's so dispersed now. Yeah, there there isn't. Um, 
But I think though too, like you know, yeah. look at a magazine like Flaunt. Yeah. So Flaunt's bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're also a lifestyle magazine. It's about an inch and a half thick. Yeah. It's like fifteen bucks. Fashion. I was thinking it's more fashion. It is more fashion, but they do dedicate space to art. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I had one of the people I, I collaborated a bit with the Panic Collective, and they got mm-hmm. uh, three pages, I think, in Flaunt. So the circulation Booyah. there is like a million and a half or something yeah. crazy. Um, and so. The only way you get that circulation yeah. <laughs> is via fashion because yeah. that's a digestible, accepted form. You know, you go into a salon, there's a stack of, of fashion magazines, yeah. um, you know, that the turns in, in marketing and advertising, you know, they, when they mm-hmm. try and sell you ad space, yeah. like, oh, this this issue has five turns. That means that yeah. every magazine that they sold, five people saw it. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, so then you multiply that times the circulation mm-hmm. to get the amount of eyes that supposedly see your product. Yeah. That really means the cover. Yeah, exactly. You know, the cover gets five turns. Yeah. <laughs> and the interior, it's like, how deep in do they go? Yeah. It depends on what they're interested in. And so getting like marketable data is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Whereas online, it's easy. Yeah, you, you can know see exactly how many which page, not even how many shares, yeah. but how much time they spent yeah. on a specific article, you know, how deep down the page they went. Um, maybe they left their computer on and left, and, yeah. and it's going to skew your numbers for how much time people spend. Well, they read my article for 16 hours. Yeah, it's, it's only 300 words. Yeah. But the, um, that I think that that immediate um, tracking ability mm-hmm. is why people are starting to move more towards social media, but also because they feel like social media is marketing more directly to them because they're giving up their whole lives. Like when you, yeah. t- every time you take a quiz mm-hmm. on Facebook, yeah. you're giving away information about yourself and, and that information <laughs> is being used to market to you. Yeah. And Some people like you. that. It can like hear you. You'll yep. be like, I'm thinking about coffee. Oh, why are there coffee ads all over my Facebook wall? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, just in your phone. Yeah. Like I've, I've looked up things yeah. on my phone and then on my desktop, <laughs> seen an ad for the thing I was just yeah. looking up in Facebook. These things are all talking to each I, other. I, I went to Facebook because Turtle Wayne, who I work with, is the like most loved slash hated artist that does murals there. Mm-hmm. The art director of Facebook hates Turtle Wayne because he's not edgy. Mm-hmm. He's not David Cho. He's not Barry McGee, you know. Yeah. But is all the Barry McGee edgy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like you know, they're not. He's not a street artist. He draws turtles. Right, right. But the staff there loves him. So in their in their budgets, they all hire him to paint murals of them inside. Yeah. So we did a tour, and it was funny because uh, some of the staff that was taking us around are they have Facebook paid profiles, but they have no photos and no personal information. And they were telling me that it's kind of scary. But the the good news that I'll tell people is they do have task force out there that I thought was cool. And they, they, they have these teams and they show all the photos of like, these are the terrorists we've caught via Facebook. These are the child predators we've caught via wow. Facebook. So so they have everyone's safety in mind. Yeah, but at what cost to our freedom? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing too many like illegal things. That yeah. I look like I do, I guess, because I got the beard, but and my haircut. I got a haircut, and the guy was asking me like what he should use to cut his meth with, and I was like, "That's weird." But yeah, uh, uh, I don't do anything like that in real life, right. so I don't. I don't feel like I have anything to hide. I don't necessarily feel like I have anything to hide, but I don't want everybody to know all my shit either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, you know, like that idea of them sort of policing their own product 
Um, I mean, I guess yeah. If if you sign up for it and they show you that this yeah. is what this is what you're in for, then that's what you're in yeah, for. Yeah, you're in for it. Yeah. And I I mean, it's so much fun. It's like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So tw- so the breakdown of it for me is Twitter is whenever I've gone to Europe, mm-hmm. more of the audience there uses Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's changed now, but a few years ago it was for some reason Twitter was like I met other art critics and all of that through Twitter. Yeah. And then here it's all been Instagram and yeah. and Facebook. What do you think of Snapchat? <laughs> You know, my wife who's here on the couch, she uses Snapchat, <laughs> and uh, I just never got into it. I can't I, understand it at yeah, all. Yeah. I think it's one of those things you're either, you either got it right away, yeah, and then you're into it, or you're like us, and we we have our tools that work for us, and it's not really... Well, I think the biggest reason why I don't dedicate any time to it is that nobody with money, (laughs) um, because you have to dedicate time to stuff. Like the amount of time you dedicate to different social media requires a different amount of time. And if you're spending a lot of time amassing a following that is never going to spend money (laughs) on art, then to me, it's a waste of my time. But I always thought that, (laughs) there goes my Snapchat advertisement, Um, that that huge investment from Snapchat I'm looking for is... Those clearly going out the window yeah. with this next statement <laughs> but um, that I thought it was just for dick pics yeah and that you know oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it didn't seem to be anything I wanted to be a part of because I knew that's what it started as you didn't want that cock roll <laughs> didn't want that but I didn't want to I didn't want to support you know yeah, yeah. a platform that was so obviously created yeah. <laughs> specifically for that yeah the, the wieners of the world unite yeah no yeah it's like for me for also like Facebook and Instagram it, it's like for, I realized what it was Snapchat because my interns would use it mm-hmm. and um, that's the way that they would text so like for me when I was in high school AIM came out and that was like revolutionary because now I can talk to my friends yeah, every, yeah. At, I'm late at night and I'm like for for you when it came out you're already like you know, I'm 45 years yeah, old, so yeah. it's like... Uh, you were like 20 or something, right? So, like, you're sharing When music. AOL came out, AOL is like 95, right? So, you're, um, you're I was 24 years old. Okay. Yeah I, yeah, I already had a career at that yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, I feel like it's used totally different depending on what age you were when it was yeah. launched. I mean, I liked yeah. the news groups, you yeah, know, exactly. in AOL. And, like, I loved that ability to, to connect with people that I didn't know over a common idea. Yeah. And then trolls came in really fast. Yeah. And you have to leave different news groups because they become invaded by trolls. Oh yeah. But the um and I remember talking to somebody recently that before AOL, like back in the the early Usenet groups on the college nets, that um like hacking and discussing technology was was very open in a couple of these kind yeah. of like alt computer news groups. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, I remember your handle. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, someone that I now know on Facebook yeah. <laughs> that I had no idea was this other person. They had no idea that I was this particular mm-hmm. screen name back in, in, in those days. But yeah, um Yeah, well, it's it's funny, like for for me it's since I was so young when that came out. I think most of the people who are, you know, twenty seven, twenty eight mm-hmm. around my age will probably it's, think the same that it was weird because you think that everyone you're talking to at that time is also your age is like right. 7 12 or whatever but then later on you realize oh okay that's kind of funny i was probably talking to, about star wars with like you know grown-ups and yeah <laughs> uh, uh, those people who sent me porno early on were, i was like oh okay that's pretty crazy yeah well that's a good place to take <laughs> yeah, a break yeah, yeah. that's a good segue <laughs> but um when we get back we're going to talk more about um the challenges facing an independent 
independent curator and also, um, you know, just exploring a little bit more of the social media aspects of, of spreading the gospel, so to speak, of, um, of different artists and, and the challenges of the art fair world. So uh, after we hear a little word from our sponsors here on Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy. Hello and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. I have with me today my guest, Daniel Rolnick. What's up? And Daniel <laughs> um, is an independent curator who um, has been making a really big impact um, here in Los Angeles, but also in other places, uh, not just by doing pop-ups in in existing spaces or taking over uh, the leases on spaces, as we've talked about, but you also do quite a few art fairs. Yeah, and I did. I did. Um, well, we did. We do designer con. We mm-hmm. did LA Art Show. Mm-hmm. Every year I go out, there's a thing called SGCI, mm-hmm. which is um, an academic printmaking conference where the, all the universities send their students out, and it's in a different city each year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I'm giving them a secret, but that's where I love to go to see new artists. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people in college, even though in LA we're so social media heavy, mm-hmm. across the country it's not as big of a thing because it's like, who are you going to show it to? Right. So, like, you go, you go to this fair and you'll see some, like, amazing illustrators because at the end of the day the printmakers are designers illustrators right and you're like whoa where did this person come from and they're SGCI? like sgci yeah it's the worst name southern graphics international conference interesting so like this last year it was in or this year it was in portland i think next year it's in uh Tennessee again or something mm-hmm. it, it always changes like east west middle now have you done any of the Florida fairs like the Basel so, fairs and so stuff I my friend my, one of my best friends flew me out this year mm-hmm. to help him with his booth so you just got back I just got back yeah like a couple days ago yeah. and yeah that was like insane yeah. so I was at scope helping him at scope and he also had a booth at spectrum so I would mm-hmm. like be in uber cars like we'd be training back because it's hellacious you can't get across town uh, yeah. it's just the congestion of traffic yeah. and people the car they they block traffic flow because it, I guess it's kind of like an island a little bit where Miami yeah. is and so they'll block entire traffic flow so that only one side can go and it's like ah yeah. and, and it's also crazy because most of my Uber sp- drivers spoke no English yeah. they only spoke Spanish and my I'm like muy pequeño I can barely speak it even though yeah. I had like whatever four years yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, you know, we talked about, um, fuck before, about taking Spanish basically from sixth grade (laughs) through to one year of college, and you get the same stuff. You learn the same thing again every year, you know. I know, hola, me llamo Daniel, como estas? Donde eres? (laughs) (laughs) And, And, you know, the hard part is like, it's easy to go like see see to another block. It's hard when you've got three of you and one of you have to, has to get off before the other ones, oh. and you're trying to describe that in Uber, in, right? In Uber, in a place you don't know, yeah. And you're trying to go 15th Street, and 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 then you realize the dude doesn't know what the numbers too. Like I gotta go quince, yeah. Or I was like uno e cinco, uno yeah. e cinco, <laughs> and he's like, why do you keep yeah. saying? Why are you giving me a math problem? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Ah, God, it's so difficult. <laughs> but the um, when doing the fairs, and especially because a lot of the artists you show are very inexpensive. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what's the most? Uh, I mean, maybe the most ever was like two grand. 
but like majority is like a hundred bucks, two hundred mm-hmm. bucks. So the craziest was when we did the LA Art Show. Yeah. So we we uh, we stopped doing the LA yeah, Art Show because yeah. <laughs> I I very strongly feel like they don't have a collector base. No. And after going to the fairs in Miami, I'm like, oh, you know who wins? The fairs win. <laughs> yeah. They charge admission. <laughs> yeah. You bring them publicity. Yeah. <laughs> you come in and you you have people taking pictures of the stuff in your booth. Like we did it. You know, we did three years. Yeah. And we had Scott that beautiful Scott Hove mm-hmm. cake. De Triomphe, yeah. which was a huge attraction. Yeah. And I think they paid him $2,500 to build that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. what did it what did it produce for them in terms of awareness? Yeah. <laughs> Millions of dollars in awareness. <laughs> um, it was the most memed thing at that fair. We had other pieces in, in the... That, it, that, well, Matt's um, talking about it was an entranceway. It wasn't just like a piece. It was like... It was... It was an intricate yeah. piece that was very involved in it was the gateway to this area called Little Topia where where the John the, our genres of art kind of converge even yeah. though everyone's gallery has totally different yeah. I feel like it's like grunge well they like, call this like the young galleries and I'm like <laughs> yeah. Lalus de Jesus is older than every other gallery yeah. at this fair except yeah. for two <laughs> yeah but we're, we're in the new section yeah. fine whatever it's yeah. like you know you want to be near where people are going to want to want to buy your stuff yeah but what we realized is that the opening night was all about people that wanted the free food yeah well, it's party. Yep, it's the party. So you don't do a lot of business that night. Um, people who, most people in the rest of the fair are still bringing their leftovers from Basil. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody who would actually buy that stuff has already seen it once. Mm-hmm. And they become part of this kind of art fair system of just moving their art from city to city to yeah. city until it's time to send it back to the artist. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we did fairly well, you know, like we, we made our money back. But um, a lot of galleries don't. Yeah, I mean, to give people a range, let's just give them a wide cast net here. Uh, average booth costs at your low end booths are going to be like five grand, and they can go all the way up to thirty grand really quick. And yeah. then if you think if you're going across the country, it's like several thousand dollars to build a crate, ship the artwork yeah. over, and then you got if you're out of state, you got like hotel, yep. airfare, meals, meals. So so very quickly, you're f- like even if you got the five thousand dollar booth, it can become thirty grand really quick yeah depending on 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 what you're doing but so so for us at the la art show they are like they're like oh yeah booths are so cheap they're like five grand or something i'm like to me that's not cheap i I mean to me i i look at things as like the average guy like yeah (laughs) like five grand is a lot of money to me and that's the discount rate yeah and that's the discount rate like the average booth at la art show i think is like close to ten fifteen thousand dollars and um in little topia a Eight by sixteen foot booth. Yeah, um, I think that was because that's like a, almost a double. No, that's a standard oh, size yeah. booth. You had a half booth. Yeah, but um, you split your booth with Flower Pepper, right? Yeah, because they they were like it's five thousand. So then I hit up, I hit them back up, and I was like, look, is there a way we can split the? I was like, how can we make the cost down? Let's split a booth. Yeah, and then they're like, okay, yeah, and then that brought the cost down to like twenty eight hundred, yeah. which to me is still a lot. Like. I, I, my rent was at that time eighteen hundred. Yeah. So I could either do like close to two months rent. Yeah. Or this art fair. Well, that's the thing is like you're supposed to. The reason you do art fairs yeah. is to reach a demographic that you're not already reaching. Yeah. Every single piece I sold at <laughs> LA Art Show was somebody I had already <laughs> sold art to. Yeah. Um, one person did buy a Scott Hove piece. 
because they saw his display mm-hmm. with us at LA Art Show, and then we had his show later that year, yeah. and they bought a piece from the show, and that's direct lineage. I have yeah. to connect that back marketing wise, and it was a very expensive piece. Yeah, but um, you know, she became a regular buyer, mm-hmm. and so she's she's paid for me having done the LA yeah. Art Show <laughs> yeah. two or three times. Yeah. <laughs> but that's supposed to be more common. Like you're supposed to have four or five collectors that become regular collectors and so that if it's in town like it is for Mm us yeah then what you're really talking about is just parking yeah which can can run you 30 bucks a day oh yeah the la art show at 30 bucks a day plus the u-haul u-haul was the other expense which you'd rent twice yeah so you rent it to load in, yeah. you bring it back, yeah. <laughs> and then you have someone else manning the booth yeah. the day um, that the show closes down, and someone goes and yeah. gets that, gets another one, and they bring it straight into the dock to unload. But um, that's a smart way to do it. If yeah. you're from out of town, some people forget, and they do like a yeah. four-day rental. Yeah, and that's crazy. And it's like a, a Wednesday setup and a Sunday takedown, so it's like a four- or five-day thing for uh, people dude, working yeah. the show. You, anyone who rents a U-Haul know it gets hundreds of dollars really fast. Yeah. Gas. If, yeah, ga- if you, also if you don't fill it up with gas, <laughs> they charge you like $10. Yeah. Yeah, something stupid. But, but these but, are kind of the secrets. This is why, yeah. like, one of the, the reasons why I do this show, and it's kind of yeah. like a, it's all about the DIY aesthetic, yeah. and I think you embody the DIY aesthetic, <laughs> you know, in that- Thanks. Um, you've you've never been afraid to do something without necessarily knowing in advance what you're in for. No. It's because you you're like I'm going to do this. I want to yeah. do this, <laughs> and that's that's that kind of spirit that I think is lacking in a lot of of, of areas of just our modern society. But I think in the art world, it's especially lacking. A lot of places yeah. just don't they don't want to think that there's another way of doing things than the way they already do things. And so I always respect people who will do something that I didn't think of and have good results. And even if they, yeah. they do something that I didn't think of and they have bad results, it teaches me something. Yeah, I mean. You learn from everything. There's a lot of safety, I'd say, in 2016, probably more so in 2017, just because people are afraid with Trump. But, but you know what's kind of interesting? I'm hearing from different little like places that actually, since he got elected, their sales have been up. And I don't well, know. Well, that's if, since the election. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's because uh, there could be a there could actually. At first, I was fearing, and then I was like, wait, actually, maybe so many people are angry mm-hmm. that they're gonna make that much more of an effort to shop locally. Maybe, and so, and so therefore, therefore, there could be this whole like, or everyone's spending all their money right now. Yeah, and they're thinking gonna, the world's gonna yeah, end. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the 2012 economy. <laughs> yeah, the but, um, we were hoping to cash in on on uh, yeah. Christopher Ulrich that way in yeah. 2012 yeah. as our December show. These beautiful large paintings, yeah. like I'll buy it, and yeah. then the world will. And yeah. didn't quite work out, but the um because those ones are pretty dark. Well, election year <laughs> economies are always like this, yeah. And we always forget, you yeah. know, like there's the every two year there's the midterm elections, but the presidential elections are, are pretty stable in that things start to slow down a month before the mm-hmm. election, and then they start to pick up a month after the election, yeah. And if I look at my gallery sales since it was seemingly an endless campaign yeah, <laughs> um, that once in California people realized that Bernie wasn't going to be the nominee, their spending habits died. They're like heartbroken. Yeah. Oh. So that stopped, you know, a lot of sales from August on. Yeah. And then um, having, even if you have the right artist and even if you have the right artist at yeah. the right time, seemingly, I'm still surprised we didn't sell more Jim Blanchard. You know, he's yeah. a well-known poster guy. He's like the Frank Kozik of grunge. Yeah. There were amazing original paintings that were, you know, under a thousand dollars. And for my crowd, that's, that's fairly inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, we we had the we have our coaster show where we've mm-hmm. got pieces for a couple of bucks yeah. all the way up to two hundred and fifty. I thought that that would have been a bigger show than yeah. it was, and it was bigger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. But it was all before and like yeah. up to the opening night. Yeah, and then it just fell off the map. Yeah, that's I mean everyone across the board who had shows in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, that was a hard year. I mean, look, so many spaces closed. Mm-hmm. Even I, like, uh, I stopped my gallery space. Eventually, it was in Culver City, and then we shared it in Flower Pepper, and it didn't work out. But that's in Pasadena. Yeah, in Pasadena. So I've been, I've had, I've had the unique ability to have had a gallery in almost every part of Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, it's tough. Like even Mark Moore selling his building, and yeah. like that's the dude selling like Chris Kukski or whatever. However, he's he was saying. in our old building. Yeah, yeah. You know? So like we had the. Billy Shire Fine Arts was yeah. in that building, and we were trying to get the landlord to drop the rent because yeah. it was insane. Yeah. You know, that we saw that the economy wasn't the same in 2009 that it had been in 2005 and six, mm-hmm. which was when we set that place up, 2005. And um, and it was in the wrong side of the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, or I should say it was the wrong side of La Cienega, yeah. that when that Culver City scene built up, it built up around La Cienega. We were over by Fairfax, which is, you know, he was yeah. in that same building. He bought the building. Mm-hmm. He's going to make money when he sells yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's on sale for like close to $2 million. And he'll get it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny when we say this, uh, it's so LA specific, but in LA, because everyone drives, if you're... Four blocks in the wrong direction. One block. One block away. You're not going to go because it's just... We're not used to walking, and that's a weird alien thing of growing up here. Whenever I'd go someplace, people would be like, oh, let's just walk there. And that was so alien to me. Because I just think drive every... Even if it's a couple blocks, I'll drive there and (laughs) park. It's just like a Los Angeles habit. Yeah. And not to say that we're like so laid back and lazy, but it's that because for years you're used to being able to find parking everywhere. (laughs) You know, in downtown, like you could... Downtown was a ghost town. (laughs) You never had to look for parking downtown. You could... If you were going to a Lakers game... Yeah. You could find neighborhood parking. Yeah, and but it wasn't to not as pay nice. the five dollars. It wasn't with the LA Live though. Yeah, that wasn't there. <laughs> That's true. And like I would go to the Smell, and I, I I have a culture trip every time I go there now because I'm like none of these nice buildings like the downtown Independent was not there. No. I remember feeling very afraid. Yeah. At that time period, like there was nothing there and it was spooky. And yeah. now it's like Disneyland. I mean, it's still yeah. funky, but it's, it's like Manhattan. Yeah. And the, um, and of course, the parking is now $50. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> $50. Yeah. And, and people in New York are like, yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, the, in a city as sprawly as Los Angeles, parking should not be $50 yeah. any place. Yeah. And I mean, the art fair thing, like you said, like with the cost, I'm trying to think of. The thing is, is like, look, you have Designer Con, which run by Ben, and he's amazing. Yeah. He's just a true fan of the art. That table is four hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, there, it shows you that when they're charging like fourteen thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, they're fucking raping you in the yeah. asshole so hard. Yeah, like they're rape, they're like dry raping you and then everyone's like oh man I gotta be at this place <laughs> oh I'm just gonna line up and get raped by Big Earl okay yeah. cool yeah. and it's like what the fuck yeah. and it, but everyone wants to do it and, and Comic Con is like that now too you yeah. know that like Comic Con when I was first attending back in 91 I think tables were 
I want to say they were $260 a table. Yeah, a table. good luck now. <laughs> Not a booth, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. a table. Yeah, like Artist Alley. So like, um, and Artist Alley tables, I think you, you got a, a seat, so you oh, didn't okay. get the whole table. Gotcha. And I think it was 100 bucks. Oh my God. Now, admission back then was $30 a day or $45 for the weekend. Whoa. Like an incredible yeah, discount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and you could still get like cheaper day tickets on like Sunday mm-hmm. for fifteen bucks or something from the box office. What's even a? Can you even get a ticket? I don't no. understand how much a ticket is now. Now it's something like two hundred, either one hundred and seventy. It's like Disneyland, and it it's sells like, out. And it sells out like the day they go on sale, yeah. and the, it shuts down their computer system mm-hmm. because they get overloaded. Um, and the thing is, what has happened is because it's now so expensive, it is like Disneyland. Yeah. When you go to Disneyland, what do you go to do? You go to experience the park. Yeah. You don't leave there with like a painting. Yeah. <laughs> you don't leave there necessarily. You know, some families will they'll buy some toys. Yeah, yeah. Some inexpensive toys. But um, what Comic Con was was a place for comic book fans to go and shop among a huge amount of retailers mm-hmm. to buy stuff to fill in their collections, and then merchandise associated that that they didn't have access to. Mm-hmm. Well, now on you can get anything online. Yeah. So them pushing that price up and pushing the price up on the mm-hmm. tables is taking money away from the people in the convention to buy stuff but because they pushed up the ticket price. Yeah. And they've taken that any money that can be made now that makes it from that consumer yeah. into the actual convention is now getting put right back in the convention's pocket <laughs> from the people who are renting the tables. So yeah. there's really no money to be made anymore. And a lot of people who were doing like their toy releases at Comic-Con yeah. have decided to just do them at Decon now. Yeah, they're doing them Decon and other things. And then people like that we know, I call I call them like the Tuesday crew because mm-hmm. Tuesday Bassin kind of came to LA with this wave of like all those designers, the pin thing, yeah. the girl gang thing. Mm-hmm. If you've seen a Tuesday crowd, you know. you just It's just like it has a look. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, they were all, you have to sublet booths now. So yeah. people have booths because their grandfather's in at Comic-Con. Yeah. But their booths are so expensive. They make more money subletting the booth yeah. for thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, and that's true. That's been true in uh, just tr- traditional gift trade shows too. Yeah. Because uh, there's other like, you know, giftware, charm thing. Yeah. The LA Convention Center is is the home to the LA Jewelry Show, yeah. to uh, the Gem Show, the just, LA Gift Show, yeah. the Holiday Show. There's the Book Show. We're just experiencing that in the art world now, that the subletting of booths, but that's been going on for those guys for years. Yeah. So it's like, it's it'll be an interesting conundrum because at going to Art Basel, there's like 30 fairs. Each one has at least 100-something galleries, some more. Yep. Then each one has a wait list of galleries trying to get in. And then some of them are waitlisted. You're looking at them like, you're never getting into And yet, I still, we still get invited <laughs> yeah. every year by every art yeah. fair. And and I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have anything expensive enough yeah. that I could possibly sell yeah. that's going to cover my cost, that's going to cover travel from California to Florida. Yeah. Um, now the hotels are so expensive because of all of those fares that it's impossible to get a space. Dude, yeah, we were Airbnb. To, to stay someplace. Yeah, we were Airbnb, and that kind of, it was like a funky place, and but it was cool. Yeah. It was an amazing experience to go, 
and and then I saw the dude like Jonathan Levine or Levine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, he's Levine. Yeah. Levine. Yeah. I finally got to meet him. I'd never met him before. And what was cool is like his concept was his. He's like, oh yeah, my friends own all the real estate in Wynwood. Yeah. So we're gonna be in the juxtaposed headquarters. Yep. In the back of it, and there's gonna be the one X run, one time run. Those guys are really cool. I stayed with them in Detroit, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, this makes so much more sense because at night, during the day all the fairs disperse everybody. So each fair has like however many thousand. But at night, all that hundred thousand people or whatever all go to Wynwood. Yeah. So you're not getting the, sure, you're not getting the museum guy or whatever. Yeah. But you're getting like thousands of more, just numbers wise you're yeah. winning. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say if you do, if anyone's thinking about doing the fair, look about get look into getting a, like maybe a satellite location, renting your own pop-up kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of like what AFM, like the the movie fairs, the, yeah. the showbiz fairs where it's really just a hotel. Yeah. And they just turn all the, the rooms into suites. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they take the beds out and you've got your display and, and yeah. you know, all that stuff. But, um, well, hey, man, I think we're probably running up against the end of this this particular show. Nice. And I want to thank you for having you in. But Our producer's like, you guys went over, way over. <laughs> He's like, she's pointing a gun at me. He's like, <laughs> Glock 45, motherfucker. What's up? No, no, What's your, what's your social media these days? Uh, it's Daniel Rolnick, D-A-N-I-E-L, and then you spell my last name R-O-L-N-I-K. Okay, and that's across platform. That's Facebook. Yeah, every uh, platform. If if you spell my name messed up though, I think I'll still come up. Yeah, probably. I think that I got like a fair godmother or something out there. <laughs> Your social media godmother. godmother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. And um, I mean, we've got some stuff we have to talk about offline, but yeah. um, we won't bore the <laughs> listeners with it. Yeah. So uh, again, thanks for tuning in. I have been Matt Kennedy. This has been Pod Sequentialism. Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentialism. And um, what many many of you may know that I, I do run a gallery in Los Angeles called La Luz de Jesus Gallery. And what you may not know is that it's inside Wacko, which is probably the greatest center of pop culture in the world. And it may sound like hyperbole, it's not. Um, you can, if you don't want to trust my judgment, you can listen to people like Kevin Smith, uh, James Gunn, uh, David Mack, um, all of whom will swear that uh, one of their favorite places on earth is uh, Wacko, the shop that houses La Luz de Jesus Gallery. Um, whether it's blind box toys or little tchotchkes or art books, it pretty much is the place that you can get all of your Christmas shopping done for every possible annoying person to buy for that you can imagine. They've got everything, and I highly recommend that you visit them. You can visit them online at soapplant.com. You can visit the gallery at laluzdejesus.com, and that's spelled L-A-L-U-Z-D-E-J-E-S-U-S.com. Check them out and tell them Matt Kennedy sent you.